Coming up on today's episode of Locked On Sooners, we're going to dig into the 2022 recruiting class, the key flips that occurred on National Signing Day, where the class ranks since 2010, and what Stuart Mandel of The Athletic had to say about Oklahoma heading into 2022. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. You can also subscribe to the show for free over on YouTube and we're free and available on every podcast platform. So make sure you go check it out. Let us know how you feel about the show as well. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, after I had COVID, COVID ran through the whole family and with the snow and ice storms and everything like that, just everything was a little bit up in arms. So glad to be back. Thanks for sticking with the show. And excited to talk about this National Signing Day and the 2022 recruiting class for the Oklahoma Sooners. It was a really interesting day. You know, the, the Sooners went into the day, the 10th ranked recruiting class, according to 247 Sports. They were number eight, I believe, in, by on three. And they got four key flips on National Signing Day. Things that were projected and were expected to happen. Uh, they got Kevontae Henry, who committed from or decommitted from Michigan, committed to the Oklahoma Sooners. Grayson Halton, who flipped from Oregon. R. Mason Thomas, who flipped from Iowa State, and Jamarion Burt, who was also committed to Florida, then committed to the Oklahoma Sooners and signed. And I think this just goes to show the drawing power that Brent Venables and his defensive staff has because you look at the guys that, that they ended up flipping. I mean, Grayson Halton was going to go to Oregon. They ended up with Dan Lanning, who was Georgia's defensive coordinator, very highly regarded defensive assistant, and you'd think that they'd be able to keep some of that defensive talent, but Halton, I guess, just didn't feel the vibes and decided to, to decommit from Oregon and sign with the Oklahoma Sooners. He's a guy that is a four-star player, projects as a, a guy who could play either on the interior or on the edge. Right now, he's if you, depending on which recruiting site you look at, he's got either 250 or 270. Either way, he's got a, a good frame, uh, 6'2", 6'3" a chance that he could play on the interior as similarly to like an Isaiah Thomas. He's, he's a guy that can play the edge on pass rush downs. You could probably play him inside as well. And, you know, if the Sooners prefer, maybe they bulk him up a little bit, get him to, you know, 280, 290 and let him play some three technique and rush the passer play similarly to like a, a Jalen Redmond or a Perry on Winfrey, maybe a little bit lighter than those guys, but you know, potentially he could have that kind of impact. And then you look at a guy like R. Mason Thomas, who a three-star player out of Florida, someone who's very much on the rise. Brent Venables talked about him on National Signing Day, well, and the day after. They they really like his his uh, his length. They like his explosiveness. They love his speed, and so they're looking at him as strictly kind of an edge player. They're not sure if he's going to be like an off-ball linebacker playing on the edge, or if he's going to be uh, a defensive end. But he's a guy that was a fast riser. Probably if he'd have played another year of, of high school ball, would have ended up as a four-star player by the end of it. But he's somebody that was very, very highly sought of or sought after by the Oklahoma Sooners. As soon as you know Brent Venables landed the job, they started targeting guys that were going to be 
important pieces to their retooling. You know, they lost several players to the draft along the defensive line. Uh, at this point, I think it's four players, Nick Bonita, Perrion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, and now LaRon Stokes is committed or declared for the NFL draft. And so they've got some depth issues a little bit and not just for this year, but for the future as well. You know, they, they're not necessarily going to be relying on these freshmen to come in and play significant snaps for them, but they need to be able to have these guys in-house developing for the future. And then you look at a guy like Cavante Henry, who again, very fast, you know, him and both our Mason Thomas are track guys like Cavante Henry has got track speed. And so you put him on the edge with his length, he's six, three, a little bit light right now, but you could probably play him as a weak side edge rusher and, and start to develop him, add some weight, add some muscle and get him ready for 2023. I mean, he's going to be a late enrollee or summer enrollee. So he's not going to get the benefit of the offseason workout this year. But after a year of kind of sitting and watching and then going into 2023, he'll get he'll get his time with Schmitty down the road for sure, where he'll get a chance to really fully develop in the, the strength and conditioning program, the new nutrition program. Uh, and then you got Jamarion Burt, uh, athlete out of Florida, who was committed to Florida, similarly to Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson, decommitted from Florida, signed with the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, uh, again, a three-star player, but somebody who projects probably to play quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. And, uh, and just kind of continues to add to the, the numbers game, really, for the Sooners. Like, they added seven defensive linemen through the transfer portal and their recruiting class. They had seven defensive backs through the transfer portal and their recruiting class. Really, really loading up at those positions to make sure that they've got uh, enough depth and competition to help raise everybody's game uh, before you know 2022 and heading into 2023 as well. And there's going to be several guys that are going to have a chance to to compete for for snaps uh, out of this freshman class. You look at, at a guy like Robert Spears Jennings, who projects as a safety for the Sooners. You know, right now your your best bet at safety are probably Key Lawrence and Justin Broyles. You don't really have a ton of depth there. Otherwise, Robert Spears Jennings is a guy who's Again, another fast riser, somebody who's, who's moving up or moved up in recruiting rankings since the fall where he was a three-star guy, went to the Under Armour All-American game, started getting more stars, got, got the fourth star uh, before National Signing Day, and could end up you know, getting some opportunities as a safety. Uh, Jaron Kanak, another guy that flipped. He was a Clemson commit, decommitted from there, enrolled at Oklahoma, and then signed for the, with the Sooners. You know, he, he played some safety in high school. He projects more as a linebacker. But as a freshman, you could probably – you could maybe see him in some of that, you know, tight end coverage role. You could see him playing some big nickel maybe where he's, you know, there for both his speed but also his ability to play run run defense. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to, to see on, on that front. A lot of really good players – you know, they don't have a five-star player currently in their 2022 recruiting class. Still have a bit of an inroad with uh, Josh Connerly, the offensive lineman who's currently committed to Michigan uh, with the uncertainty that, uh, that surrounds Jim Harbaugh and his future with the Michigan Wolverines. There's no telling what could happen with Connerly. Uh, and then you've got uh, another five-star guy in Levius Overton, who is a Sooners legacy defensive lineman. Oklahoma's still in his top five. They could end up landing him as well, but without the top, without the five-star guy, they've still got a top ten recruiting class, the number the number eight recruiting class in the nation, according to both two four seven Sports and On Three. And so you look at that and you're like, while they don't have the, they're they're the only recruiting class in the top ten without a top without a five-star player, and that just goes to show like the high level of player that they have 
among their four stars. You know, a guy like Gentry Williams, who the number one player in the state of Oklahoma is going to be able to come in and, and compete for snaps at cornerback just because he's just a really talented player. Kobe McKenzie, you know, the defense, the linebacker group is really, really deep, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Kobe McKenzie get snaps this season because Brent Venables talked about and, uh, or Ted Roof talked about rather his just high football IQ. And if you've got that, you can come in, learn a system, be re- reliable because of your football intelligence. And that matters. Like if you're, a reliable player, if you know where you're supposed to be, you know where everybody else is supposed to be, you know your run fits, you know your passing game keys, then you're going to be able to get on the field a little bit faster. And so if that continues to translate, and, and he's, got the, he's got the body for it already, if that continues to translate, then he's going to be a guy that could potentially get on the field uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2022. But really, really solid recruiting class uh, that has a chance to get even better but for Brent Venable's first recruiting class, just having two months to put it together, sure they had a lot of guys from the you know the Lincoln Riley era or the Lincoln Riley regime that were still committed to the Sooners. But those guys, like a lot of those, were committed to Bill Biedenboe. You look at Jacob Taylor or Jake Taylor and Jacob Sexton; they were Bill Biedenboe recruits. Uh, you look at Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk, Demarco Murray recruits, uh, the wide receivers Nicholas Anderson. That's a that's a Kale Gundy guy right there and a, a sooner connection with Rodney Anderson. Uh, and so like what they put together despite or um, in addition to what the you know the assistant coach holdovers on the offensive side of the football put together is pretty impressive. I mean, they they landed a ton of guys that weren't necessarily on the Oklahoma Sooners radar heading into the 2022, you know, final days of the recruiting cycle or to the offseason. But they, but because of Brent Venables, because of Todd Bates, because of Mikhail Chaves, because of Jay Valai, they were able to pull some guys that they didn't really have um, inroads with in December or so. You know, but once they got on board and they got into Norman, they really they started making a lot of headway and they they made some moves and and attracted some some really talented guys with a lot of potential that have a lot of upside and they are going to be impact players for the Oklahoma Sooners some maybe in 2022 but definitely in 2023 2024 these guys are going to have huge impacts on the Oklahoma Sooners but coming up next let's talk about where this recruiting class ranks since 2010 and which one has been the most impactful recruiting class in the last 13 years or last 13 recruiting classes rather but first let me talk to you about bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before Hey, the Super Bowl is coming up. You got a chance to get in on the big game right now at betonline.net. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, right along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. And so this Oklahoma Sooners recruiting class, you know, finished top top eight in the 2022 cycle. But where does it rank in in regards to the last 13 recruiting classes for the Oklahoma Sooners since 2010? Did a story over there on the Sooners Wire where you can read some of my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners and talked about this. And amongst those recruiting classes, the Oklahoma Sooners ranked fourth since 2010. And that... Where did it go? 
that class, you know, we, we talked about the four stars that they have. They're second in the Big 12. But let's talk about the classes that ended up ahead of them. So you have the, two, the 2017 class that ranks number three uh, since 2010. And then you have the 2019 class that ranked number two since 2010. And then the 2010 class, which ranked number one since 2010. They were number five in the nation that year, number two in the Big 12, which is pretty incredible. Uh, some of the no- notable players from that class were Tony Jefferson, Brennan Clay, Blake Bell, Kenny Stills. Darrell Williams, Trey Millard, Aaron Colvin. Uh, you know, Tony Jefferson had, has had a lot of NFL experience. Blake Bell Kenny, and Darrell Williams still making impacts in the NFL. Kenny Stills, he's, he finds teams all the time. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, the 2022, or sorry, the 2019 class, this was supposed to be like the key class for Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, we talked about, I mean, we've talked about the past, the, the five-star wide receivers that they ended up landing, Jaden Hazel with Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges. But this was also the class that had Spencer Rattler in it, uh, Austin Stogner, Jeremiah Cradell, Woody Washington, Marcus Stripling, Marcus Major, Marcus Hicks, David Aguebu. This has been kind of a, an underwhelming class. Like, if you're the number six class in the nation. You get all these five-star players. You get the number one quarterback in the class. And... Jane Hazelwood's transferred, Spencer Rattler's transferred, Trajan Bridges, we know the legal situation that he ran into, Austin Stogner transferred. Um, you know, your, your most impactful players have been Theo Weiss, who tied for the team lead in receptions in 2020, Woody Washington, who's continuing to grow. He's, he's been really, really good. Injuries kind of set him back in 2021. He's looking for a bounce-back season. Marcus Stripling, he's going to have a, a great opportunity to – uh, be that next potentially great pass rusher for the Oklahoma Sooners based on what we saw in the Oregon game. The dude was just incredibly disruptive, just living in the backfield and making life incredibly difficult for the Oregon Ducks offense. That's the guy that I'm really looking at as potentially taking that next step in the 2022 season to hopefully replace Nick Bonito and Isaiah Thomas off the edge and, and providing that pressure and getting those sacks that they need uh, in the passing against the passing games of their opponents. Uh, another guy, Marcus Major, a great opportunity this year to to take the reins to, to be that next great Oklahoma Sooners running back. We again, we saw him in, in little bit, you know, little bursts this year. The the burst that he has, the energy that he runs with, the strength that he runs with. If you give him a full workload, could he potentially, you know, have a thousand yard season? be an impact player for the Oklahoma Sooners? I think so. And then you look at Marcus Hicks, who has an opportunity to be an impact player along the defensive line. David Aguebu is likely going to get the start at linebacker at one of the linebacker spots this year for the Oklahoma Sooners. So, like, there's still some impact players from that recruiting class, but all the guys that were at the top, aside from Theo Weiss, they haven't really done a a ton of free. Jaden Hazelwood led the team in, in receptions and touchdowns, but he transferred. He's gone. Uh, and so, you know, as, as great as that class was, it didn't quite have the impact that it was supposed to have. You know, Spencer Rattler was supposed to contend for the Heisman, help the Oklahoma Sooners get back into the college football playoff uh, discussion and potentially win a college football playoff game. That never materialized. He lost his job and ended up transferring to South Carolina. Best of luck to Spencer Rattler. Uh, things weren't all your fault here. It, it didn't go as it should have. You had some great games, but... Uh, just the inconsistencies throughout the whole program didn't really support you as it should have. Uh, but the, to me, the most impactful recruiting class uh, that we've seen probably over the last you know 
decade or since 20, 2010 is uh, the number the number three one since 2010. It ranked eight in the nation, and it was the 2017 class. Now, this group is just littered with NFL players. Um, Trey Brown, C.D. Lamb, Trey Sermon, Mark, uh, Adrian Ely, Creed Humphrey, Marquise Brown, Kenneth Murray, Trey Norwood, just a ton of NFL talents on that, on that, in that recruiting class. And then you guys got, then you got guys like Tyrese Robinson, Charleston Rambo, who transferred to Miami, but will likely be in the NFL. And then you got Kennedy Brooks, who's going to be in the NFL. Marquise Hayes, that's going to be in the NFL. Isaiah Thomas, it's going to be in the NFL. Jeremiah Hall, like this one potentially has 12 NFL players on it. Uh, I didn't count. I'm just kind of guesstimating, but a ton of NFL talent in this recruiting class that, you know, they won big 12 championships in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. Like they won four big 12 titles in their time with the Oklahoma Sooners and CD or uh, Creed Humphrey is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Like not just rookies, but one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. He was arguably the best center in the NFL in 2021. So easily the most important or impactful recruiting class. And you look at it, and that was Bob Stoops' last recruiting class for the Oklahoma Sooners. He steps down uh, in June of 2017. But that, that class that was signed, that was signed under Bob Stoops. And it's sad that he didn't really get the benefit of coaching that class because that was a great recruiting class and uh, had a, a huge impact on the team. I mean, C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown, I mean, arguably two of the best wide receivers Oklahoma's ever had. Creed Humphrey, arguably the best, you know, center that they've ever had. Um, and then the, and then you got a guy like Justin Broyles who still remains on from that class. Like, you know, he, he really came into his own um, last season and has a chance. We talked about it in the first segment. has a chance to start uh, potentially at safety for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, the only other guy on there that hasn't really, that never really made an impact for the Sooners was Robert Barnes who transferred to Colorado. But even a guy like, Charleston Rambo, before he transferred, he had an impact in 2019 for the Oklahoma Sooners as kind of that wide receiver too. was making big plays down the field throughout that season. Even And even Trey Sermon before he went to Ohio State, huge impact for the Sooners um, back in 2018, 2019. Grant Calcaterra from that class, huge impact as well before you know concussions kind of uh, derailed his Sooners career and then found a home at SMU. But I mean, we all remember Grant Calcaterra and big plays that he made for the Sooners. Like that 2017 class was absolutely phenomenal for the impact that it had on the Oklahoma Sooners and is still having. And we're going to see Justin Burroughs this year, uh, I think, have another really, really good season, a really strong season. The, The dude came on and was one of your best defensive backs in 2021. And I expect him to take another step forward in the 2022 season. Uh, and then, yeah, number four since 2010 is the uh, 2022 recruiting class. Number five is the 2018 recruiting class. They're ranked ninth in the nation. This was the class that had Brendan Riley Hiles, Ronnie Perkins, TJ Pledger, Jalen Redmond, Deshaun White, Nick Bonito, and Tanner Mordecai. You got, you got opportunities for guys to continue to contribute out of this class and Jalen Redmond and Deshaun White, a guy like Bray Walker who had entered the transfer portal and then pulled his name back could have an impact for the Sooners as well. And then number six was the 2021 class. This was Clayton Smith, Billy Bowman, Savon Bird, Kevin Gilliam, Cody Jackson, Jaleel Farouk, Ethan Downs, Danny Stutzman, Caleb Williams, and Mario Williams. 
uh, you know, the two Williams guys, they transferred to USC, but you're going to get an impact from Clayton Smith. I'm still excited about Billy Bowman. I know it was a, an up and down season for him, but I think that he's going to have a bounce back year this year. And then we saw Jaleel Farouk in the Oregon game, what he's capable of, same with Ethan Downs and Danny Sussman. These you know, two young guys are going to have an opportunity to make an impact. Cody Jackson, I think, is going to surprise us this year. You know, He was a, a late enrollee for the Sooners, didn't really get a good uh, start to his Oklahoma Sooners career as a freshman. But with a full offseason in the strength and conditioning program and more opportunities with Mario Williams gone, with Jaden Hazelwood gone, Cody Jackson, Jaleel Farouk, I think they're going to have an opportunity to step up and be impact players for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2022. And then at number seven, you have the 2012 class, uh, Sterling Shepard, Eric Stryker, Charles Tapper, Zach Sanchez, Trevor Knight were the impact players out of that one. 2011 came in at number eight, and this is Jordan Phillips, uh, Trey Meteor, and Frank Shannon. And then the 2020 class came in at number nine. Um, then they're ranked number 13 in the nation. This is Andrew Rame, Reggie Grimes, and Marvin Mims, Anton Harrison, Shane Witter. Still big-time opportunities for these guys to make impacts for the Oklahoma Sooners. Number 10 was the 2014 class. This was the Joe Mixon, Mark Andrews, Samaj P. Ryan, Orlando Brown, and Dimitri Flowers, uh, Stephen Parker. A ton of NFL talent on the, in that recruiting class as well. Then 2015 was number 11. This is Neville Gallimore, Rodney Anderson, Bobby Evans, Drew Samia, Cody Ford, Austin Seibert. Again, NFL talent. Lots of NFL talent. There's, there seems to be a trend here. The Oklahoma Sooners land NFL talent. Number 12 was the 2013 class, and number 13 was the 2016 class. Uh, so, again, the 2022 class comes in at number four since 2010, and I think is going to have an opportunity to have a, a really strong impact in 2023, 2024. Uh, there's going to be several guys that do break through and have an impact this year, but um, I don't expect them to be starters necessarily in, in the 2022 season. But coming up next, let's talk about what Stuart Mandel of The Athletic had to say about why he left the Oklahoma Sooners out of his way too early look into the top 25 of the 2022 season. First, let me talk to you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can go to rockauto.com and save? They always have reliably low prices for every customer from the do-it-yourselfer to the professional mechanic. They don't play favorites. You get the same prices that they're giving you or you get better prices than they're giving you at the storefront auto parts store. So go to Rock Auto. You, they have a great, easy-to-use website that gives you all the information that you need to know on every make, model, and part available. You can get anything from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore the website. See if you can find your solution to your auto parts needs because I've used Rock Auto. I've had you know, great success finding the parts that I need for my car over at rockauto.com. So go there right now. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right. Stuart Mandel came under fire last week. Uh, because he left the Oklahoma Sooners outside of his way too early top 25. Um, and then, you know, of course, because Oklahoma Sooners are very passionate about their team, they're, they're not going to take any disrespect. Um, but here's what he said. So back on, the, on January 11th, he had the Sooners number 25, just behind Kansas State. 
but then recently left the Sooners completely out of the top 25. And here's what he had to say, quote unquote, Oklahoma has been a revolving door since Riley left 14 starters, most notably quarterback Caleb Williams have either turned pro or entered the portal, but UFC or sorry, UFC UCF transfer quarterback Dylan Gabriel is a nice plan B. He should have Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss as targets. Brent Venables will need to rebuild in the front seven. The linebacker Danny Stutzman had a promising freshman season. Cornerbacks DJ Graham and Woody Washington are solid. So let's just take this line by line a little bit. Yes, they lost 14 starters. Yes, they lost Caleb Williams. And he admits, like, Dylan Gabriel is a good backup plan. Like, this was, you know, may, may not have been the plan that they had going into the offseason. They hoped that Caleb Williams re- would return. As soon as they found out that he wasn't, they made Dylan Gabriel a priority. And they got him committed. They got him signed, got him enrolled. He's at Oklahoma. And I think, like, we say it's a plan B, but, it, like, it's a good plan. Like, it's a plan 1A. You know, if if Caleb Williams doesn't work out, Dylan Gabriel with 26 starts, over 8,000 passing yards, 79 total touchdowns, like, that's a great that's a great option. Like, every team in the country would, be, would love to have a guy like Dylan Gabriel as their fallback plan. There's a reason he was going to UCLA to play for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly puts together some really great offenses, and he knows how to use a quarterback. And Dylan Gabriel is a great quarterback. Like, he's had great seasons. Uh, for UCF in the past. And so Oklahoma being able to land a guy like Dylan Gabriel, that's huge. Like it, it, it's, it's part of the draw and the allure of the Oklahoma Sooners. Obviously having Jeff Levy and the relationship that Dylan Gabriel has with Jeff Levy, that makes a big difference and it provides a huge um, opportunity for the Oklahoma Sooners that they take advantage of. And so like I, I'm one that's not too terribly concerned about the offense transitioning from Caleb Williams to Dylan Gabriel. I'm, I'm not. Because I think what one of the, the things that happened in the 2021 season is that the quarterbacks became too reliant on making big plays, which led to them holding onto the ball at times, taking bad sacks. And they didn't seem to be able to, to go through reads and go through progressions or even just like hit a guy early in the play. Like, and there wasn't a ton of play design that got the ball out of their hands quickly either. There was a lot of long developing slow developing plays that force them to to just hold it and read it but with jeff levy's offense coming in there's it's a lot of like there's a lot of one read there's a lot of rpo play where the quarterback has one read he makes the play there's a lot of quick passing game stuff i mean i I talked about it in an episode a few weeks back where you know jeff levy wants to run a lot of plays and part of that is he's gonna have his guys getting the ball out of their hands quickly using the short passing game and allowing his wide receivers to make plays after the catch. You don't have to hit a 50-yard pass play every time you, you throw the ball. Like sometimes a good play is a six-yard completion or a seven-yard completion. That's okay. If that first and 10 pass gets you to second and three, or you know even if it's second and, and 10 and you get to 30 and three, that's a good play. That's okay. And, and sometimes I felt like Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams both got too reliant on the deep passing game, trying to make big plays happen. And I get it, like they they wanted everybody wants to make a big play. Everybody does. But the maturity is showing maturity is that you're able to kind of rear back and just take the play that's there. Take the take the completion that that the defense has given you. Because last year they were not giving them anything down the field. But the quarterbacks and Lincoln Riley were unwilling to take the underneath stuff, except in the Kansas State game. In the Kansas State game, like that to me, that should have been the the game plan for the rest of the season where 
you know, Spencer Rattler was very efficient. I think he had just like three incomplete passes or four incomplete passes in that game. And they, they scored a ton of points. They scored 37 points and scored on just about every drive in that game. So that should have been the, the framework for the offense. If teams are going to take away the deep ball from us, fine. We'll dink and dunk all day because we've got the wide receiver talent. We've got the quarterback talent. And eventually they're going to get tired of giving up these six, seven yard completions that they're going to bring a safety up. They're going to bring their corners up and then we can start, you know, banging them over the top. It's the same thing. It's the, it's why teams run the football. If they can run it effectively, it gets the defense to start committing more players into the box, into the front seven. And then you can start bombing them over the top. You can hit them with play action. You can hit them with deep balls. So why the offensive genius of Lincoln Riley didn't use the Kansas state game as kind of a model for what this team needed to be moving forward, especially against the Iowa state's Baylor's and, and Oklahoma states. It's beyond me. And so I'm, I'm looking for like Jeff Levy dude is a legit offensive coordinator. Like to me, they didn't take a step back in their offensive play calling and their offensive scheme because we, we, you know, Jeff Levy led the nation or was top five, top 10 in the nation in yards per game in the SEC, playing a mostly SEC schedule for Ole Miss. He helped Matt Corral develop into an, a first-round NFL talent at Ole Miss in the SEC. And the Big 12 defenses are getting better, no doubt, no doubt about it. But if he's able to take his offensive scheme from UCF to Ole Miss, continue to have success, then why can't he do it in the Big 12? I've, I've yet to have somebody tell me that why Oklahoma's offense can't be just as good or – potentially better with Jeff Lebby than it was with Lincoln Riley. Now I know Lincoln Riley is like, he's the King. People think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread as far as offensive play calling goes, but let's not sleep on Jeff Lebby at all. The dude is a legit offensive play caller. He's somebody that most teams in the country would like to have because of what he's able to do. I mean, Mackenzie Milton had fantastic seasons with him as the quarterback coach. Dylan Gabriel had a great freshman season with, uh, with Jeff Levy as his offensive coordinator. So I have no reason to expect this offense can't be really, really good in 2022, if not great. And yes, they'll be playing good defenses in the Big 12. But Jeff Levy played good defense every single week in the SEC as well and had a lot of success. So let's go to the, the next point by Stuart Mandel. Should have Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss's targets. Well, yeah, they're going to be your top two targets. Those two guys, they led the, the Sooners in receiving and in receptions in 2020. Marvin Mims led the team in yards in 2020 and 2021. And even with inconsistent offensive play and not really getting enough targets, still led the Sooners in receiving yards. Still had a huge yards per reception average. And this is one of the guys that is going to need to get the ball more because he's one of your best players. Getting a guy like Theo Wiesback is going to be huge for the team because one, he's, he's similar to the Jaden Hazelwood where he's good in the short to intermediate space of the field where you're, he's like your possession receiver. But the difference between Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Wies is Theo Wies can make plays after the catch where I felt like Jaden Hazelwood really struggled after the catch. Like he caught, he'd catch that ball at seven yards and he'd go down at eight yards. Theo Weiss, like we, if you go back to 2020, I mean, he'll catch the ball at seven yards and he'll make a cornerback miss and take it another six or seven yards before he gets tackled. Just that, that 
ability to make plays after the catch is going to be huge. Jaleel Farouk, we saw it in the Oregon game. If they use him out of the slot, which I hope that they do, I know Marvin Mims played mostly in the slot in 2021. I'd like to see them move him back outside, put a guy like Jalil Farouk in the slot because he showed his ability to get the ball in short spaces and make plays after the catch. And that's the kind of guy you want. He's able to get open and he can make the play and he can make a play after the catch. And then you have a guy like Marvin Mims who's going to get a little bit more you know, room to operate if you move him back on the outside. And I think that helps take advantage of his skill set a little bit better. So I love the wide, the wide receiver group. Yes, no Mario Williams. Yes, no Jaden Hazelwood. But I think this is still a really, really strong group with Mims, Weiss, Farouk, Cody Jackson, Drake Stoops, Trayvon West, who is making plays for the Sooners. Like if those are your top five or six players at wide receiver, I, I feel like you, you're pretty good. I mean, Drake Stoops is clutch. The dude just makes plays. Trayvon West made a ton of plays. They, they thought enough of Trayvon West last year to throw him a 50-50 ball in the end zone at the end of the Oklahoma State game. So I'm not, I'm not as concerned about the wide receiver group as Stuart Mandel is. Uh, you know, the defense, that's going to be a question. But I think we got some of those answers in the form of the transfer portal and what we saw in the Oregon game. Yes, you lost Nick Bonito, Isaiah Thomas. Those are two huge losses off the edge. You lost Perrion Winfrey, who had a fantastic senior bowl, which we'll talk about on tomorrow's episode. But what you saw in the Oregon game was a guy like Marcus Stripling, who finally got a full-time opportunity to play, just erupt with production and pressure. He was living in the Oregon backfield and just very disruptive, getting sacks. You saw a guy like Ethan Downs, who got his first real run uh, in the Alamo Bowl, productive, getting pressure on the quarterback, setting the edge well. And then the Sooners added Jonah Lalu in the transfer portal, who could play in the edge, Jeffrey Johnson, who's likely going to be one of your starters at defensive tackle next to Jalen Redmond. So I think the front four is going to be pretty, pretty solid. You know, losing Deshaun Watson, or sorry, losing uh, Brian Asamoah, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> uh, losing Brian Asamoah to the NFL, is, it's, it's a loss. But you still have Deshaun White, David Aguebu, Danny Stutzman, who Mandel mentions. And then you have Jaron Kanak and Kobe McKenzie. Like, this is a deep linebacker group, which I think is going to be impactful and potentially just as impactful as it was last year. The, the losses of Patrick Fields and Dylan and Turner Yell are something that they're going to have to figure out. But I like Key Lawrence and I like Justin Broyles. I think those are two physical players that are going to make the Sooners really good in run defense, and they're going to make it really difficult for teams to go over the middle. Now, we might have to be careful with some, some targeting calls, but those two guys, they're unafraid of contact and they're going to be really physical. And I think provides a playmaking dynamic for you in your secondary. You lose the experience of, of Turner Yell and uh, Pat Fields, and they're good playmakers as well, good in coverage. But I, I like what Broyles and Lawrence bring to the table as well. And you give them extended run at safety, and I think they're going to be okay. And so, I mean, the, the preseason rankings, yeah, they don't mean everything. They don't, they're not the end-all, be-all. But it is a bit of an indication of where what teams feel or what, what the analysts think of Oklahoma. But I think this is just going to be the case for the Sooners as they head into 2022. I think they're going to be underrated. Uh, you know, NCAA.com, they ranked the Oklahoma Sooners 20th, right in front of USC at 21. I don't know what USC has done, aside from adding Caleb Williams and Mario Williams, that is going to make them all of a sudden a top 25 team from a four-loss team. That's a, that's a bad defense that they're going to have to try and improve. I don't think they made the necessary additions to try and actually improve that defense. Uh, 
And so I, I, yeah, I just think the Sooners are going to be slept on. I think that, you know, this is going to be a team that, you know, and you know, maybe that's a good place to be. You know, you look back to the 2000 team that started off unranked. And if the Sooners start off in that spot under Brent Venables, I, I think it's going to be motivation for them. You know, Mario Williams already saw Mandel's article and he's like, bet, so, you know, underrate us, overlook us. We're going to, we're going to improve and we're going to prove you all wrong. There's something to be said with playing with a chip on your shoulder. And they, you know, they've got a lot to prove after an underwhelming 2022 season or 21 season. Sorry. So I think this is going to be a team that is going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, ready to prove to themselves and to the nation that they're just as good, if, if not better than where they were in 2021. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Sooners. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Sooners and on Facebook, Locked on Sooners Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to the show over on YouTube. And until tomorrow, Boomer Sooner.